Hey there, it's Mitch here. And before we get into today's episode, our spring membership drive has officially sprung and we've got one heck of a giveaway. When you make a donation in any amount to Vermont Public by March 16th, you'll be entered to win a new roof valued up to $15,000 thanks to Vermont Construction Company. Your support makes everything we do possible. Make a gift today so we can keep bringing you the trustworthy, reliable news you count on day in and day out. To make your gift, head to vermontpublic.org donate. And thanks. From Vermont Public, this is The Frequency. I'm Mitch Wertlieb. It's Friday, February 2nd, and here are today's headlines. House lawmakers are poised to pass a bill that could eventually make middle-class Vermonters eligible for government-subsidized health insurance. Essex Junction Representative Lori Houghton says Vermont's Medicaid program already provides insurance to nearly 200,000 low-income Vermonters. And she says expanding the program could benefit higher-earning middle-class residents who often can't afford the co-pays and deductibles needed to access care. It works for Vermonters. It provides the care we need. It makes sure people can get in the door and have care at a preventative point rather than waiting till um, it's, it's much worse. The Scott administration has expressed concern about the financial impact of expanding eligibility for government-funded insurance programs. But Houghton says increasing access to preventative care could reduce overall health care expenditures. And there was more action at the State House as a coalition of businesses gathered there yesterday, calling on lawmakers to advance three key climate bills. The businesses, including Seventh Generation and Ben and Jerry's, say they support a 100% renewable energy standard for electricity in Vermont. They also want lawmakers to pass the Climate Superfund Act, which would try to force fossil fuel companies to pay part of the bill for climate damages in the state. And the businesses want passage of a massive bill providing state aid to flood victims. Mel Hall co-owns Global Village Foods in Queechee. He says it's taken a decade for his business to recover from flooding during Tropical Storm Irene. What we know now is that this is not uncommon. These large water-filled weather systems moving slowly, dumping torrents and rivers of water into the Vermont valleys and channeled landscapes is more the norm than it is the exception. Hall says Vermont needs to have tough conversations with compassion about climate change. And he says businesses in the state need more help adapting. Addison County State's Attorney Eva Vecos won't appear in person at an upcoming meeting with county police chiefs, telling them in an email she doesn't feel safe around law enforcement anymore. The message came about a week after Vecos was arrested for allegedly driving drunk to a crime scene. Vecos also told the chiefs in the email she wanted to teach grammar skills at the meeting to get the county's cops up to a, quote, elementary school level. Addison County Sheriff Michael Elmore says the email was unprofessional. It was disappointing to have to receive that and continue to try to have a working relationship with the state attorney's office. Uh, concern that we have is how do we move forward now um, with submitting cases to her. Vecos apologized in another email about an hour after sending the initial message. She did not respond to a request for comment. Vecos was arrested by state police last week after she allegedly arrived at a crime scene smelling of alcohol and slurring her speech. She's set to appear in court on February 12th. 
The U.S. Department of Education last week chastised state officials for a, quote, significant violation of the Every Student Succeeds Act. That's a federal law requiring states to annually report on each school's performance in exchange for federal aid to districts with large numbers of low-income students. Because of Vermont's failure to identify underperforming schools as required by the law, the feds are set to withhold $100,000 from the Vermont Agency of Education. The cash will instead be redirected to schools. State officials blamed the pandemic for their reporting failures, but Vermont is the only state in the country to have received a clawback for that reason this year. And some education officials, like Jay Nichols of the Vermont Principals Association, say it's further evidence the state agency isn't functioning as it should be. This stuff can't be happening. It's it's not a good look for Vermont. A spokesperson for the Agency of Education says Vermont is working on coming into compliance and is on track to meet future deadlines. In other education news, the Wyndham Southeast School Board adopted a statement this week in support of educators who choose to discuss the ongoing violence in Gaza. The statement calls the conflict between Israel and Hamas, quote, heartbreaking to witness, and says teachers need to help students understand and process their emotions. That's according to the Brattleboro Reformer. School Board Chairwoman Kelly Young says the statement is not intended to endorse hate speech by any group, and the teachers are still expected to leave their political beliefs out of the classroom. The statement says the increase in Islamophobia and anti-Semitism adds urgency to educate students about the conflict in the Middle East. The statement was drafted by the district's board's Social Justice Committee. It was then reviewed by the administration and shared with the Teachers Association. The district says resources are available for teachers to educate students on these events in an age-appropriate way. Coming up, the state is seeking public input on a 20-year plan to manage forests along the Worcester Range. But the idea is getting pushback. We'll find out why after this. The Frequency is supported by MVP Healthcare, offering Medicare Advantage plans made for Vermont and guided by doctors. In partnership with the UVM Health Network. Info at uvmhealthadvantage.com. The Worcester Range is one of the highest, wildest stretches of ridgeline in Vermont. It runs parallel to the Green Mountain Spine, from Middlesex to Elmore. State regulators want feedback on a plan to manage the forests there over the next 20 years. But some in the state say they should pump the brakes. Vermont Public's Abigail Giles has more. Um, Above us is just this gorgeous alpine bowl, Uh, you know, Mount Hunger's right up there in the fog. That's Greg LaBarth. One day in January, I drove with him to the top of an old dirt road in Worcester. The mountains around us were obscured by a dense layer of fog. So he told me what we couldn't see. And then, you know, there's a couple little knobs over here. If you just slip through there, uh, there's this beautiful um, hardwoods that'll slide you right down to uh, the trailhead to Mount Worcester. Those hardwoods are part of a roughly 19,000-acre swath of public land called the Worcester Range Management Unit. For the first time, the state is working on writing a plan for how it manages the entire area. It'll decide things like where mountain biking is allowed and where new trails can be built, as well as where timber harvest can happen. On that front, the plan opens about 2,000 acres up to timber harvest over the next two decades, mostly at lower elevations. And that's a change. Only about 700 acres were logged here in the last 40 years. And while he really values the local timber industry, Labarth has some questions about whether what the state proposes is in line with Vermont's climate commitments. It's one of the easiest opportunities the state has to protect land is when it owns it. 
The Worcester Range Management Unit is already permanently protected from development. And with this plan, the state is proposing to set an additional 5,500 acres aside as something called a highly sensitive management area. There won't be timber harvest there during the life of the plan. And that will bring the total area protected from logging to about half, mostly in the higher elevations. But some people would like to see the 100 to 120-year-old forest here set aside permanently to be allowed to grow old. And they say the state should protect lower elevations, too. Bodo Carey met me at the trailhead for Mount Worcester. He's a retired science teacher in town. Honestly, I would have liked to have seen the whole contiguous 35 or 3,400 acres in the Middlesex Worcester general management, vegetation management area be put into an ecological reserve area. Carrie and others have asked why the plan needs to happen now. The Department of Forest, Parks and Recreation says they've been working on the plan since 2019, and they need to manage growing recreation pressure in this part of the state from mountain biking, skiing and hiking. The Agency of Natural Resources' own planning says the state needs 9% of its forests to be old forests. Right now, we're at about 1%. The state argues that to help this teenage forest age, it needs to step in in some places. Zach Porter with the old forest advocacy group Standing Trees, which opposes logging on state lands, disagrees. FPR is working right now on new rules for how it writes plans like this one, which Porter hopes will formally codify how the department factors climate change into its land use decisions. This plan is being rushed as the public's opinion about state land management changes, as our appreciation for the threat that is posed by um, this increase in frequency and intensity of flood events, you know, as, as we realize that we have to do more to leverage state lands for the services that they provide. In addition to being a critical wildlife corridor connecting the Green Mountains with the Northeast Kingdom, the Worcester Range contains the headwaters of several streams that flow into the north branch of the Winooski and Wrightsville Reservoir. Porter points to science that shows older, undisturbed forests help slow floodwaters, like the ones that swamped Montpelier in July. Where Porter says these areas shouldn't be disturbed because of climate change, scientists with the state say that's why these places are in dire need of intervention. Jim Duncan is the state lands manager for FPR. He says some of the lower forest is not very diverse in species or age, which makes it vulnerable to pests and climate change. He says foresters want to harvest trees there to make space for other tree species to move in. And so we're ending up with a concern, I think, that if we don't manage these stands where beech are diseased under the, in the understory, we're going to get a diseased forest in the future. Duncan says in some places, Vermont's northern hardwood forest is not on track to grow old right now. He says setting large swaths aside to be unmanaged permanently takes away tools science can offer to help them adapt in an unpredictable future. We are dealing with ecosystems that haven't existed uh, for very long and haven't existed uh, before colonial um, clearing. So we have assemblages of trees that are mixed in with invasive plants. We have forest pests that are threatening tree health in a way that we've never seen before, and it keeps coming. And add on top of that the stress of climate change. The plan says the trees that are harvested will be selected individually by foresters. There will be no clear cuts. And while foresters can do things like thinning and invasive species management without commercial timber sales, Duncan says a sale is the most efficient way to do this work at scale. The department brought in about $350,000 in revenue 
from timber harvest on state lands last year. And loggers say having access to state lands is important. Loggers are on the front lines of climate change. They can only work when the ground is frozen or dry. And Vermont has faced 16 consecutive months of wet soil. Sam Lincoln is a logger and used to work for the agency. He says state jobs tend to be bigger than ones on private land. So that, I think, brings some really important security to um, the raw material supply that goes into, whether it's a logger and or a mill, they both are needed. But by FPR's own estimate, logging on state lands accounts for just about 1 to 3 percent of the timber sold in Vermont. Critics of the proposed plan question whether that's really enough to help the forest products industry. The other thing coming up in this debate is where this force fits in with a law passed last year. The Community Resilience and Biodiversity Act calls for Vermont to permanently conserve 30 percent of its land by 2030 and 50 percent by 2050. And it says some of that land should be set aside for very little human intervention. Zach Porter with Standing Trees and others want FPR to pump the brakes on the Worcester Range plan until Vermont has a roadmap for how to reach those goals. Middlebury Representative Amy Sheldon sponsored sponsored the law. She says these conversations about how to manage our forests are more critical now than ever. Particularly given the changing climate that we're in and an increased awareness post the flooding of the importance of our headwater streams in our flood storage capacity, increased awareness of the understanding that um, undisturbed and mature forests do a better job of mitigating the impacts of floods downstreams. The public comment period for the Worcester Long Range Management Plan ends this Friday, February 2nd. For Vermont Public, I'm Abigail Giles. Thanks for listening to The Frequency today. We had additional reporting from Peter Hirschfeld, Abigail Giles, Liam Elder Connors, Lola Dufour, and Adia Golston. Our executive producer is Kevin Trevelin, and our music is by Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Mitch Wertlieb. Talk to you next week. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.